Welcome to My Daily Caregiver Podcast. This is Joanne Bracewell. I'm a family nurse practitioner with over 30 years experience in family practice, and I have a heart for victims of domestic violence. We're here restoring hope to your day. We're presenting interviews with people who share stories of difficult times in their lives where God intervened and restored their hope through personal revelation of the truths of God's word. Some people share their stories through outreach ministries, like today's guest, Maureen Nemo Kimani. Welcome, Nemo. I first met Nemo last fall in Nairobi when a group of friends and I traveled to Kenya last fall. Nemo was our local contact and acted as a mission coordinator, translator, and a little bit of mother hen for those of us who were needing guidance on our travels. Her guidance made our visit run real smoothly. Nemo is the director and founder of the Hamiyamani Ministry based in Nairobi, Kenya. Good morning, Nemo. Good morning, Joanne. I'm very well, thank you. It's so great to have you on our podcast today. Please, I'm sure people want to know exactly what is Hamiyamani Ministry. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Okay, thank you for having me today. It's my pleasure and I'm glad to be here and to share with you. Hamiyamani was birthed through something that I went through. And mainly our main focus is women and girls who have been physically, mentally, emotionally, or psychologically abused. We want to have a safe space for them and also teach them life skills so that they are able to have sustainable livelihood because women who are coming from an abused background, especially in our African society, depend on the men to be the breadwinners and more often don't have something that can bring a source of income for them. So in our bigger picture as a ministry, even as we outreach to the women, is to give them life skills so that they can have something that is more sustainable for them and their children. It's wonderful to have a support system as well that you're creating, because if I recall from my personal experience, once coming out of that kind of a situation, one doesn't have a whole lot of confidence in oneself as to being able to accomplish anything because you begin to believe the lies that you've heard for so long. And and that support system is so important. I would imagine that you're able to address that as well through your ministry. Yes. Support system is key because a victim or a survivor who's coming from a place of abuse, either physical, emotional, psychological, or financial, have just shared lies that you have believed over time and you need to pick yourself up. You don't know where to begin to do all this. And the image you have of yourself is broken and we need to have a space where we can help you pick yourself up. A place where you get inner healing. We believe that in the presence of God, there is so much more that can happen. Women I think we heal much faster because we talk a lot and we share the issues that we are going through. We don't close up like the men. We are able to be vulnerable with each other. But at the same time, women have found that there are no spaces that are safe for them to speak and share what they're going through. The bigger question of why people fail so much is what will people say? So you are still trying to put a facade to create a picture that you're perfectly okay, yet deep inside you're falling apart because you are afraid of what the society will say, what the community will say, what will the church say. The things that I have put a brave face, yet crashing down, 
And at this point in time, you have really crashed down and you don't know what to do. We provide a safe space where you just can come and open up an altar of healing. So with our altar of healing, we call it the Balm of Gilead. We call it Bethel, a place where you just open up. You be yourself. Whatever is said there, it remains there. It doesn't get out of the door. We have a support system of women who we pray together because it's not a one-day event. You really need someone because some days you're good, some days you're down, and you really need someone to talk to. We have to create an open line of communication where if you're feeling really down, you can reach out to someone. You don't have to go through it all alone. That's what we do. That's excellent. And it sounds as if um, there's external environment, the atmosphere, the culture, the church, who really don't understand and can't provide that safe space. And we know that the Lord is there for us, that when we put light onto these dark situations, that that light will reveal his truth. And so it sounds like you're really creating a wonderful safe space for the ladies. And uh, I'm wondering, let's see, Psalm 46.5 is the scripture that you use. I'm going to read that for uh, listeners. 46.5, God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. And in the scriptures, this is a picture of the church. I believe that God created us male and female in order to show us these different strengths and different characteristics, if you will, of God. And so he knows that when we go through these situations that he is with us and he wants us to know that he's here for us. He knew that we'd be in this sin-filled world with all kinds of evil and people who are taking advantage of the weaker person and exploiting and denigrating and how disabling this kind of violent situation. I wonder a little bit more, we've talked about the fact that you reach out to women and mothers, children who've been emotionally vulnerable. They've been physically abused. They've been oppressed. And you're providing this awesome environment that gives inner healing and self-reliance for them to overcome the trauma that they've experienced. And this desire is so that they'll live a purposeful life. And I'm wondering, really, if you could tell us a little bit more about the root from which this passion came from. You mentioned that you had been in a, a difficult situation, some personal experience, and perhaps to help our listeners understand and see things more from your eyes. Perhaps you could share a little bit about some of the personal struggles that you've been through that brought you to this point. Uh, my passion about this ministry, it came from a period of 10 years where I have really struggled with getting out of the hole. Like you have read Psalm 46, 5, that God is within her and she will not fall and he will help her at the break of dawn. At that moment, you are a dark place. You don't know whether you're moving forward, whether you're moving behind. You're just stagnant. And I had gone through a situation of domestic violence. Here is what we call the gender-based violence. And it was really a tough time for me because at this time, you're living with someone. You're okay thinking your relationship is good. Everything is okay. But one morning, because of elections and our elections in our country can go tribal. Because at that point is where everybody remembers that I'm from a certain tribe. And you can imagine with a country of 42 tribes, 
when we come to election years, after every five years, everybody remembers, oh, I come from this region. All of a sudden, we are not one. We are different. Mm-hmm. And at this time, political parties also, they are in, so to speak, in their tribal divide. So everybody is campaigning in their area of interest because at the end of the day, the politician wants to put their issues first, but they're not looking at the issues of the people. It was in 2007 during the elections. It was really bad because that's when we faced bloodshed because of elections. So it was the Kikuyus against the Luos and the Kalenjins. And at that time, my partner was from the Kalenjin and I was from the Kikuyu. And at that point, the two political parties that were really big, they were from the Kalenjin the Luo and the Kikuyu. So anybody who lived in the different areas of the Ada tribe were attacked. And funny enough, I was attacked to the city. And this was not even in the rural area because ascribed to something different. And at this time, though I was working, I was shaken. There is something that we call a machete. I don't know what you will call yes. it. Looks- a machete. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. So he took it and he broke some wood from part of the bed and he started hitting me with it and at some point when he went to cut me I held it with my hand and when he pulled it my two fingers were almost falling off I actually had to get stitches for them he severed your fingers with the machete yes uh, I know when we were growing up, we would read in compositions in English books where there's a saying where it says you were beaten and you are black and blue. For me, literally, I was black and blue. I actually couldn't move. He was drunk, so I had to wait for him to sleep. And then that's how I managed to escape and go to the police station and get help. From that moment, we never mended the relationship, but it was a hard time where I had to ask God questions like, I am your child, how would you let this happen to me? There was hope inside me, but still there was darkness that was so overwhelming, I didn't know what to do. Mm -hmm. So I was caught in a place where I have a young child who I didn't want at this point to ever experience all this that had happened. One thing I want to share with you, Joanne, maybe we haven't shared before, but The red flags are always there. And as women, we tend to ignore. You say, you'll pray about it, he'll get better. But remember the person who is abusing you, he's also nursing some wounds or he's reacting to some wounds or trauma that he has gone through and a pain that he hasn't dealt with. Remember, bleeding people will bleed on others. If you don't deal with the pain, if you don't confront the issues that you are going through, eventually you will bleed on other people. And we need to come to a place where we need to realize that we need to take care of ourselves because you will find people who have mother wounds, father wounds, you are wounded by the church, you are wounded by the community. Mm -hmm. And all these, when you bottle them up, they become something else. So from that place, I had to begin to have conversations with God. I had to stay away from church for a period of two years when I'm seeking the face of God and asking him questions. And it is during this time that I got my healing because I also had to 
confront the issues that I was going through that I had not confronted. Because for you to see the red flags of somebody who has abused you and you ignore thinking they will be better, I was also coming from a place of woundedness. Before you engage with somebody else or you come into a relationship, we have to agree that we have to confront our own selves and deal with the issues and the traumas and the wounds that we have within ourselves because we are all coming from different places. We have collected different baggage. We have been exposed to different cultures, traditions, and perceptions. Mm. And in turn, we have created our own culture that we Mm. have brought along. And when we do that, if we bring in children, they Mm. will be in this culture. And if we don't correct it, they also learn the same thing, which they Mm. think they are okay. So it's a cycle that we need to deal with. Yes. And it's a lifelong journey. Sometimes I believe that things are getting better for myself, gotten some revelation on this. And then those things that are more familiar to us, you know, we just kind of drawn back into those relationships. And, and like you said, the red flags are there and we just want to make them pretty blue flags or we just want to turn them into pretty green trees and hope it all goes away. And I think that hope issue is uh, something that a lot of women hold on to. And there has to be a time though, where in my own situation, I came to a time where I realized that perhaps being in that dysfunctional relationship, I was actually enabling their behavior by allowing them to just continue in the pattern that they've always continued in and not challenging them by saying, you know, this is not going to happen and I'm going to move on or I'm going to, you know, stay separated or disassociate from that relationship to give them an opportunity to begin if they so choose, you know, to look at their own situation. But I'm certain that when you went through your situation and you um, did not restore that relationship, I would imagine that the other person as well may not have ever come to terms with what they had done or the gravity of the situation that they had, you know, the the evil that they had allowed to take place in their life. The tribal issue is something I think in the United States, look at it political sense, because in politics, people become very passionate and they look at these situations as if it's their identity. And that if you cross that line, you've offended someone's identity. So to move on a little bit, As our time comes closer, I did want to bring about some of the scriptures that you have pointed out that can be a way of strength for all of our listeners today. Isaiah 54, 13 says, and all thy children shall be taught of the Lord and great shall be the peace of your children. So as we teach our children God's ways, they can live in peace as well. In Psalms 91, verse 10 and 11, for God, he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you, to guard you in all your ways. So our listeners, we want to encourage you that God will send his angels to keep charge of you. He will watch you in all your ways. In uh, further scripture, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. When we follow him, he is the one that meets our needs, and he knows a lot than we do how that should take place. I wanted to know if we could 
end out with perhaps a testimony of the struggles that you see in your community of faith and your ministry, perhaps something that we could identify with as being perhaps victims of domestic violence, or even though we're in a different culture in the United States, we can still share those feelings that face every woman who is in this situation. And your testimony may help to give hope and and encouragement to a listener today. Yes, Joanne, I can share a testimony about a friend of mine. She lives in the States, uh, so this will be closer to home. It will show you that, yes, we're in different places, but everything about hope and faith and just trusting God, it's all the same for us. So she is a nurse. She is a mom of four. She has an older daughter, a twin, and a younger daughter. So being a nurse, she's almost on her feet every other hour. And uh, babysitting is quite expensive in the States. It's not like back home where you can just have someone really watch over your children. And her main struggle was to keep her prayer time and just her study time to read the Bible, to just have a moment with God. And it was her major struggle because she didn't know how to do it because she felt so helpless. Either she's too tired, she wants to sleep or prepare her kids to drop them off to school, doing laundry in the house. There's just so much to do for one person being a single parent. And in as much as she might not be taking care of a special child, but having four kids is a whole lot to be taken care of. And She struggled uh, for too long on how to just have a relationship with God because she felt like she's not doing so much for him, like keeping time. Anytime she was reading the Bible, she was either falling asleep or in her prayer time, she will just snooze off because of the exhaustion. And I know we can desperately want to just feel like we are doing what everybody is doing, like keep an hour in prayer or 30 minutes in prayer. And sometimes that fulfillment that comes with that, but we can never be like everybody. And I had just had to encourage her and tell her even five minutes when you're driving the kids to school or when you're driving to work, it's just the simple things, being authentic with God, being open and being vulnerable, because sometimes we want to come to God looking all made up, looking all nice. We want to feel like we are doing things for him. And sometimes he just wants us to be seated there and he will just listen to the difficult situation, the difficult moments. Maybe if you're patient, maybe you're seeing they're not eating too well or drinking enough or sleeping too well. And all this also because you're taking care of someone else, the fatigue will also cross to you because you're not getting enough rest because you have to take care of them. Mm -hmm. And I believe when we just encouraged her and I will tell her, leave a voice note or whatever it is that you are feeling and I will pray for you. I will uphold you and don't feel like you are coming into my space. I had to give her the assurance and reassurance that this is your safe space. Like you can say anything that you're feeling like sometimes we can get angry at God because we are feeling like the patient or the people that we are dealing with closer to home The situation is difficult. Maybe they are not getting better and you feel like you're so overwhelmed, like nothing is really giving in. And at that moment, you're just asking God, you just need a break. And that is when we decided maybe just for the moment she will get someone to watch her kids, even if it's 10 minutes, to go and do something nice for herself. Mm -hmm. Because if we don't love ourselves, 
then if our cup is empty, remember we can't pour out from an empty cup. And the people around us, and I will also want to encourage your listeners, the people who are listening to us, if you have someone who is taking care of someone, just be on the lookout for them. Encourage them, pray for them, do for them shopping, be there even if it's to just give them comfort. Sometimes listen to them, give them a hug, a part even for the small milestones that they have done. Mm -hmm. Give them a moment where they can have self-care and self-care can be just that they want to take a nap. Maybe you can watch over the person that they're taking care of, that they can just get a snooze and that one will make them feel better. Send them flowers, send them an encouragement, send them a card, give them a phone call, pray for them. So it's a whole lot that we can do as a community, as families of people who get to do so much. And I being in Kenya and her being in the States, sometimes it's not easy because it's a rat race. Everybody is rushing out to do something. Everybody is in a hurry to do something. There is no time for family, for get-togethers and all that. We're like that in the United States as well, definitely. And, and yeah. caregiving is something that is, it's a common thing, whether you're caring for your healthy children or you're caring for an elderly person, there's that burnout. And in your nurse friend's case, she was caring for patients and then she was overwhelmed with the four children. And that was just amazing that she was able to press on with all of that. And yet this time that she spends with the Lord and that she's hearing from him, that's part of the process of healing from coming away from a dysfunctional relationship. Because in my case, I wanted to just jump into another relationship in order to stop the pain. And so uh, our pain needs to be relieved by our closer relationship with the Lord and getting to know him and to uh, hear his heart and experience his love for us. And these examples you gave are awesome because that's the way we can show others God's love when they're going through these difficult situations, you know, reaching out, shopping and doing that. So Mm -hmm. that is, um, those are some uh, great examples. Yeah, because in Africa, there's a saying that says it takes a village to raise a child. And sometimes... You'll need different people because in her case now, she had to get a nanny who would come in the evening for her to be able to go to work. But she will come a little bit earlier so that she's able to have some time to sleep and just rest and just have a quiet time before she goes to work. And it has done her some good. Yes, she has to pay for the nanny services and all that. But at the same time, we need to thank God because she's able to pay for it so We thank God for that and we say praise God. At the same time, she's able to rest. So she's not going through a burnout because what value does it have if you have to work so hard to get all the money and you're not taking care of yourself? And we lose you in the process and it becomes a whole different thing. We need to invest in ourselves when it comes to needing the rest. Definitely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the five, the five minutes, the 10 minutes, the 20 minutes, just keep at it and just read the word of God. Just talk to God. Just have a conversation. It doesn't have to be anything dramatic. Just go to God just the way you are. And he just sit at his feet and he will give you rest. And we have seen uh, my friend being victorious in everything she has done, that she will be graduating next year with her degree in nursing. So we thank God for the milestones that she has achieved through this. Wonderful. 
Wonderful. She may not have had the strength to really do that without your intervention as a ministry. And it's really encouraging to know, too, that across the oceans and across the miles that you were able to make an impact on a lady uh, who was going through something that really needed your intervention. And I'm excited to hear more in the future, which she's going to accomplish and uh, in her children, because we know our children are our ministry as well. And uh, hear some more from you as well in the future about how things are uh, moving about in your ministry. Right now, you're working on um, the Female Genital Mutilation Project and sharing information and uh, transforming attitudes towards the female genital mutilation situation. And that is having a lot of success as well as providing uh, sanitary supplies for uh, young women so that they can continue and finish school, that they can move on in their lives and not have to rely on getting married in order to provide those supplies that they've needed. And some of these projects that your ministry is doing is awesome. And perhaps our listeners would like to know how to support your ministry. Um, I believe that um, we'll be glad to post uh, the connection for that. You have a website, I believe. And uh, is there a specific way that we can uh, support your ministry financially, how would we do that? We have a SendWave account and we also have a PayPal account. Okay, sounds good. Well, we'll definitely get that information out when we post this podcast. Thank you so much for sharing your heart with us, Nemo. And um, I want to thank you for your time. And I know that this is going to touch the lives of many women who are uh, doing their caregiving as well as women who have been through this situation. And sometimes the two cross together uh, where we are caring for a loved one and there's a lot of dysfunction going on in the family. So we really thank you for your interventions where your your ministry is. And that's the Hami Imani Ministry based in Nairobi, Kenya. And we've been talking with Maureen Nimo Imani. And this is uh, a presentation of my daily caregiver podcast, restoring hope to your day, presenting interviews with people who share how God has intervened in their lives and restored a sense of hope through the truths of God's word. Thank you for listening, everyone, and have a wonderful week.